Welcome to City Life Church Podcast. Our desire is that all may come to know Christ and fulfill their purpose in life. We welcome you to head over to our website for more information. God bless you and enjoy the message. I thank you that you love to bless us, but not just for us to receive that blessing, but for us You bless us so that we can be a blessing. That's the good part about who you are and your heart for people, your heart for people all over the world. And as you have chosen to use us, we thank you for that opportunity. And Lord, we're committed to giving ourselves back to you, Lord, in every way possible. And I thank you for that today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God desires to place you where opportunities in your life will position you to be a blessing to others. He loves to put us in a place where we can be a blessing. Now, do we recognize it when we're put in a place to be a blessing? That's part of our responsibility is to recognize, wow, this is a God moment. This is an opportunity I have to be a blessing. Where there are missed opportunities, there are missed blessings. There's a blessing God would have for us, not only for us, but a blessing to flow through us. But if we don't see those opportunities or we're just too busy doing life and we miss those, then we can miss a blessing and we can miss a transference of a blessing as well. So it's important for us to take advantage of those opportunities. Blessings follow opportunities that are responded to. So we need to respond to those opportunities, amen? And blessings come. I wanna read a scripture In John chapter 4, starting in verse 38, this is where the disciples were urging Jesus to eat, and they just taught in natural food. They're saying, come on, Jesus, you're hungry, you need to eat. And this was Jesus' response to them. So then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants and another harvests, and it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. What sustains us What Jesus is telling us here, what sustains us is doing the will of the Father. He's talking about sustenance here. What is sustaining to him? Jesus is a great example of what it takes, what we need in our life. And so we look at it, and he he says, "It's, it's what I get from doing my Father's will is what sustains me. And it's his, his, his will that we are active in this whole process, a season of growth, several months long, those of you who, are, who maybe are familiar with farming, that kind of a thing, where you plant a seed and then you wait a while, and there's, but there's a process. You water, you weed, you do all of those things, and ultimately, you're harvesting. Yes. And every one of us play a part in that, in our Christian walk, our walk with the Lord in the kingdom. And Jesus was specifically saying, this is about people. This is about seeing people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so some of us are planting, 
Some of us are watering, some of us are discipling, others are harvesting, or we're involved in all of those. We come and go in different aspects of it, the process. And we shouldn't worry about, well, I, hey, I planted that seed, I get to harvest that. Well, in the kingdom, we're all in, we're all in it together. We're all part of the same body here. We have different parts we play, but ultimately it's about kingdom harvest. So that's what we're all about. And so when Jesus goes through this and he talks about it, there's things that can happen. I remember um, when I was a kid, probably, and, and I'll, I'll bring this story up because it involves a motorcycle, so you guys are here, because I don't want to lose you. <laughs> and uh, so we, we had this, my brother and I bought this little motorcycle, and we just lived in the city here, and so we would ride it in our yard, which was small, and you, you really couldn't do much. And every once in a while when dad was out, maybe you'd sneak up and down the road really quick and come back in. But one day a friend of mine was over, and he'd never ridden a motorcycle before. And so he got on this, and I didn't really tell him much except, you know, you do the throttle and then there's a brake. Well, I don't know if you ever, some of you get riding and then you forget. Well, he was riding around, heading into the backyard, and my dad has this beautiful garden that he invests his entire life into. Of course, taught us kids to do all the work, but I, looking back on it, that was, that was good. That was good. So he has these prized tomato bushes that are very beautiful and nice tomatoes and all staked up and just real fancy and all that stuff. Well, my friend, of course, goes around the backyard and get, goes right for, you know, hey, put the brake on. He doesn't remember how to brake the thing and buries it right into my dad's tomato bush. Well, that's not really part of the process of harvesting that way. <laughs> he wasn't playing his role in the uh, harvesting part of it. I honestly don't really remember what happened after that, and it's probably good that I don't remember. I might be reminded later, but that was one of those, you know, you just intentionally you block things out. My, my friend's still alive somewhere, so <laughs> in regards to that. Uh, I want to go through a, a scripture this morning in Romans chapter 12. I want to kind of take us verse by verse, and we'll, we'll, we're not going to take a long time on this, but I, I, I want to point out some things in each verse here, because this is a really a key portion of scripture for us when it comes to what I'm talking about position to be a blessing. There's some things that we need to do in our life to position ourselves for that. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today and the aspects of that. Starting in verse 2, Romans chapter 12, starts this and it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So here we see by changing the way we think, or by renewing our minds, however you want to look at it, changing the way we think, renewing our minds, we begin to gain spiritual insight. It begins to help us in our walk with the Lord. And it propels us on this faith journey that we go on as Christians. And we get out there and we're involved in this, but the real key is changing the way we think. And it, we become on this journey of life that includes faith. That's new for a lot of people, faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, which is really the chapter on faith, and it talks about 
by faith, Abraham offered up his, or was willing to offer up his son Isaac. By faith, by faith, by faith. And there was faith involved in everything that they did. So our life becomes this life of faith as believers. And we see there's a transformation that happens in our life. We begin to change the way we think, begin to change the way we view things, begin to change the way we do life. Then something happens. Let me ask you this question. When do we learn God's will for us? When do we learn God's will for us? Well, it's buried right here in this verse. When our behavior reflects a transformed life. When our behavior reflects a transformed life. It doesn't just happen for us. There's things that we have to do. There's, there's changes that we have to make. That changes how we think, how we do. And it happens by us changing the way we think. Then we begin to learn God's will. So many times we get in this place early on, I just want to know God's will. I just want to know God's will. And he's saying, well, just come under my will. Come under my will. Begin to change how you think. And he begins to reveal those things to us. He says, God's will is good. It's good. It's good. And it demands only what is essentially and unchangeably good. It, it, it's what it boils down to. And we have to get that thought out of our mind that God isn't good. He is good. His will is good. And that's what he is. He is a good God. God's will is pleasing. It says that. It's pleasing. What does the word pleasing mean? That's a good word. <laughs> pleasing. It's pleasing. It will create a pleasing atmosphere in our life. If you don't have a pleasing atmosphere in your life, better check a little bit. Are you in his will? Have you changed how you think? Have you been moving in that direction? God's will is perfect. His will is perfect. It reflects his own perfection. He doesn't, he, he's perfect. He doesn't know anything other than being perfect. His will is perfect for you and for me. And that's a good thing. Verse 3. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. <laughs> I know we laugh because we, we've been there. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Measure yourselves by the faith God has given us. It's important that we don't have this high-minded thinking of ourselves because it can get us in trouble. And God is pretty good at helping us sort of lower that just a little bit, isn't he? And he, he, he comes in in a nice way, but it's good that we look at these scriptures. My, probably most of us have a hard time in this self-evaluation thing, because it's hard to evaluate ourselves and do it right and accurate to do it right. And, and it takes a spouse or it takes somebody else, somebody who knows us, to kind of come in and go, you know what? <laughs> you might be a little, rating yourself a little high right here. Sort of bringing ourselves into that place of submission to, the, to God in that regard. <laughs> I realize, me personally, the older I get, the longer I'm involved in pastoring, I realize what little I really know. I, I, I realize all my blind spots. And I realize my desperate need for God more and more, and having to trust Him 
And that's why it's important way back when that I changed my way of thinking. Because if I still thought as man would think without God, I would really be struggling with this whole thing right now. But God is good when he speaks to us to say, come on, you want to know my will, you want to get in my plans and purpose, you want to be a blessing for somebody, then you need to change the way you think. You need to make some adjustments. Faith really is viewed in the, as the inlet to all the other graces that, that happen in our life, and we'll take a look at those in a moment. But here's a point. God has given each of us a particular capacity to take in the gifts and graces, which he designed and designs for the good of everyone. You have the capacity for the gift and grace that God has for you. You already have the capacity for it the fullness of that. It's up to you then to begin to develop where that capacity level ends up. Because we always, we're always asking God to bail us out. We are. God, you need to do this. Why aren't you doing that? And he's saying, come on. I've chosen to partner with you, and I want to encourage you. You can do this. I'm here with you, but you can do this. You can increase your capacity to the level of where I have designed for you to operate in that. And when we do that, blessings begin to flow, flow to us, and they flow through us. Every believer has a degree of faith that's active in their life, right? Absolutely. The fact that you said yes to Jesus Christ is a faith step in itself. You you don't see God. You see the activity of God, and you see who he is in the sense of around you, but you've te- you, take a, you took a step of faith to say yes to him. We have that degree of faith. After we talked about Moses last week, going through his journey, my goodness, that should encourage us in our faith just a little bit, because <laughs> that took a lot of faith for him to step out and do what he did. It should inspire us enough to trust God and, and step out when he nudges us to do something. Okay, God, I can do this. I can be a blessing. Verse 4, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a specific function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Wow. We all have unity. We should have unity. We also have great diversity in that. But our diversity is maximized when our unity is maximized. First, we become unified, knowing we're one body. We're all part of the same body. And if we are in unity as a body of Christ, as a body of believers, then our individual functions will be maximized in that. When we're working together, you know, that I've heard many times that, you know, your, any appendages or any part of your body can have a conversation with another part of your body saying, you don't like that, I don't like you foot, and... The foot doesn't like the hand and all the different things because you get in my way. But the reality is if you did away with any of those things, you wouldn't fully function. And so there's something about being in unity that maximizes our potential. Verse 6, 7, and 8. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. 
If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Gifts are given to each one of us to communicate God's graces because that's how they flow through the, through the gifts he's given us. God's grace flows through you, flows through me, it flows through all of us as we're unified and we're functioning in the gift and calling that God has placed in our life. They're to be used in serving others, these gifts, not to draw attention to ourselves, Because some of these can, in themselves, can be attention drawers in the sense that if you do something for somebody that's like, wow, it, it does bring a little attention. In that, but that's not, God's, God's saying, I, I'm not doing this to build you up to make you uh, like you're some great person. He's, uh, he's doing it to glorify himself and to use you. There's a blessing that comes, no doubt about it, when we are functioning in the gifts God's called us to function in. And because it's something gives back to us when we are allowed, when God uses us and we see the evidence of that gift in operation, it gives back. It feeds our spirit. It comes back to us. It, it builds our faith. Not only that, but whoever we allowed that gift to flow to, all of a sudden something good is going on there too as well. And so there, there's this, this thing that begins to happen for each one of us. God has given each of us the capacity for the gift that he's given us. And knowing that that is so important, we have that capacity. Developing our gift takes time, though. Mm -hmm. That's the thing, some of us. Because we see maybe somebody else that's functioning in the gift that we feel like, yeah, I think that's my gift. And we see somebody over there just rolling it out there and doing an awesome job. You're like, wow, I just want to do that. Go talk to them, because they're going to tell you. I went through a lot. I tripped up a lot. I made some mistakes. I stumbled around a little bit. I, I fell on my face a few times. And, and so don't ever think that you want something without knowing what they went through to, to be where they're at in that regard. And it comes out of obedience, and it comes out of them having a transformed life. Uh, there's a changing of the way they think. So we want to focus on develop, developing what God has given us in order to be effective in our serving in that capacity and to fulfill our part in the body of Christ as a church family. So focus on that and make sure that we are doing well at that. Verse 9, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Woohoo! i tell you something about that. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Hate what is wrong. Hold tight to what is good. I tell you for sure, if somebody put a dead mouse in one hand and a $100 bill in your other hand, which one would you hold tight to? I'm just saying. It's, it, I'm just trying to make it easy for you, okay? Unless some of you love dead mice, and I don't know. I've definitely had my share of capturing those over the years. But I'm going to hold a little tighter that handle. It's hold tight on what is good. The things that God is doing good in your life, hold on to those things. Hold tight. And I'll tell you what, being genuine, you don't have to try when you're genuine. It just is part of who you are. It's part of your nature. Faking your way through stuff, I'll tell you what, it, it doesn't work. 
eventually it will be exposed. That's why it says, really, truly love people. Care about people. Don't try to fake your way through it. Don't pretend to love people. Just, just love them. And if you say, boy, God, I don't know. I don't know if I can love people. Well, this is part of the transformation that happens. It's the changing the way of your thinking. It comes back to you again. Yeah, we pray and say, God, help change me. But he ultimately comes back to you making a decision, making a choice. He doesn't force any of us. But he certainly gives us all the tools we need when we're going through that. And he gives us the encouragement. He gives us the strength to do that. Genuine doesn't have to try. Just be genuine in, in who you are. Your kids will tell you for sure. <laughs> they know. 2 Corinthians 6.6, 6, we prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness, by the Holy Spirit within us, and by our sincere love. Yeah, there's things that we do just in our life. There's the purity, there are our patience, our kindness, and how sincere we are in loving. 1 John 3.18, dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. This is how we position ourselves to be a blessing. By our, what do we do? How do we treat people? I can tell you, probably even without traveling with the CMA, seeing the video and what they're doing, they're showing, demonstrating by their actions, by their love, what they're doing. They're touching people all around the world, all around, our, uh, all around the United States, wherever they go. And it's simply, they're just being genuine who they are, who God created them to be, and they're just out there enjoying life, enjoying the gifts that God's given them, and, uh, and having fun as well. But they're being genuine about it. You know, just Hal standing here. I, don't, I, I only talked to Hal a couple times on the phone, but I, he's a genuine guy. I can see that. Honor. Honor. That's a big word, but one of the most important words ever. Honor. Wow, that's something we struggle with, seems like, so often. It's just showing preference to others, thinking of others before ourselves, honoring. You don't have to stand up on a platform and try to outdo each other, saying great things about each other, but there's an honor that's just simple. First of all, just honoring our father and mother for starts, and then honoring those people in your life. And it doesn't matter who they are in the sense of, well, I'm not going to honor them because they're, you know, they're down here and I'm up here. We, we honor no matter what. There are cultures in society, especially when you go back, go, go into other countries and see the culture of honor. <laughs> I'll tell you, this chokes me up for a second here because this is something that was pretty cool. Last night, we, we had our kids and grand, grandkids were over to celebrate my birthday and stuff, and my phone goes off just as we dished up our food to sit down and eat. And it's a FaceTime on my phone, if you don't know what that is, but it's video. So it's our great friends down in Mexico, the Medina family. And so they are all gathered around with some of their friends and all their family, and they have this mariachi band playing. They have everything... And they just wanted to honor me for my birthday. And so I, we all listened to all this music, and they're all just excited, singing happy birthday in, in their language, our language, and all these different versions. But there's this culture of honor, and that's what they, 
they do. And, they, and it makes sense why people, when they go to other countries and, and really, truly experience what honor really is, and they come back here and go, wow, I want to go back there. <laughs> you know, we need to create that culture of honor here. It needs to be part of what we do as a church and as believers. There needs to be that honor and loving each other, honoring each other. So I apologize for that brief moment of, of my, uh, what's that? Yeah, they probably spent most of the day setting that whole thing up for just to, I would have never thought of doing that. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Um, we, I mean, it was great having our family and they did great things too. It's just, those are the things about, about honor. Verse 11, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Yeah, we need enthusiasm. Is, is enthusiasm part of your service to God? Is it there? It need, if it's not, it needs to be. You need to be enthusiastic. Oh, I got to lead worship today. No, see, thank you. I like that. <laughs> I would, to be honest with you, there's times where I said, I got to preach Sunday. I get to preach on Sunday. That's what it should be. I know. Verse 12, rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. This is a challenge for us sometimes. Here's the deal. Trouble, trouble is inevitable for all of us. It's a given. At trouble, we're going to be patient in it. So this is what the word is saying. Be patient and don't stop praying. We keep praying. We have people in this church. We've been praying and praying and praying and praying for healing. And we're not stopping. Right? We're not, we're not. Mart, we're not stopping, are we? We're praying for your wife. We're praying for Lois. We're praying for Dave Turner. All these people we're praying for. We're not stopping as a church. That's why we meet the first Thursday night of every month. We meet here at the church, and we specifically pray for those people in our church. And we're... It, you know what, and I, and I tell people this, and I, and I think anybody that is blessed to be healthy, the least we can do is rally around those people and be praying for them. Because I walk in there and I say, God, thank you for my help, but here's, here's a friend of mine, here's part of my family, church family, who is really suffering. I'm going to give some time to this, and I encourage you to do that as well. Give the time to that. Philippians 4, 6, don't worry about anything. Hal gave me this scripture the other day, and I needed to hear it. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Because sometimes we find ourselves worrying, don't we? We worry a lot. We get concerned, and it gets back. Oh, come back. Squirrel. You know, we're off on this worry squirrel. We go back to the... That's why I love reading the word, because it helps bring me back. It brings me back to that, that target where I need to be looking at. But it goes on to say, tell God what you need. Go ahead. Tell him what you need. And thank him. Don't forget to thank him for what he's done because that's an important aspect of what we do. And then verse 13, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. We heard that word hospitality earlier today. Hospitality. And guess what? Hospitality can happen anytime. You don't have to plan for it. You don't have to, you know, oh, well, down the road, I'm going to be hospitable. You can do it now. It can happen anytime, right? It's going to happen after the service today. I think some of you, 
CMA, I don't know if you guys know, I, think I smelled something when I walked in this morning, and it smelled like a good lunch. So you guys, are, we're going to have hospitality. We're going to serve lunch, uh, and there's probably other people that will be in there as well, just because their nose will lead them that direction, which is totally fine, right? Is that okay? Yeah, that's good. There's plenty of food. That's what we heard. And then verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. And Jesus said this in Matthew 5.44. He said to pray for those who persecute you. You got to pray for those people. You're going to be persecuted as a Christian, guaranteed. You're going to be persecuted, especially as in the days that we live in now. There, there's people who hate God, people who hate Christians. And if you're not being persecuted, then you probably need to change the way you're thinking because maybe you're not haven't gotten to that place where people recognize that you are a part of God's family. So, and it's okay to be persecuted. We just pray for those people. We don't curse them back. Verse 15, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. There are a couple ways we can demonstrate happiness and, and there's a good way and a not a good way because people pick up on the fakeness of it. But when somebody says, you know, something exciting in their life, or I just want a trip to Alaska on a boat cruise or something, and they tell you that, I am so happy for you. Or you go, yeah, I'm sure happy for you. <laughs> Those are two different kinds of ways of happiness, and one isn't quite right. <laughs> Let, let's, be, let's genuinely be happy for people. And when people are weeping, people are going through a hard time, deaths in the family, those kind of things, we need to come alongside and we weep with them. Because it's real, and we all go through it, and we understand that. That's part of being in the body of Christ. And then verse 16, live in harmony with each other. That's a good word. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people, and don't think you know it all. My goodness. Like I said earlier, the older I get, the less I know. Find the common bonds that we have and put our focus there. Find what we have in common with each other that we can focus on those things. I will tell you this. The fastest way for a, a person to create a barrier between somebody who's been around a while and has wisdom and un knowledge and understanding, uh, you know, the fastest way somebody can create a wedge there is to come into that situation and be a know-it-all. That person with wisdom and knowledge wants to help you. But if you show up and roll in that you know everything... It makes it a little hard, because what they're going to say is, see you in a few years. <laughs> yep, you'll come back and be a little, it'll be a little different. But we, we, we know, we've all been there. And, and here's the thing. Well, let me, get, let me go to this. I'll get to that one in a second. So I'm going to jump to verse 17. We're almost done here. So verse 17, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. That's a good verse. We don't need to dump, we don't need to try to top somebody with evil. You know, when they say something negative to us, about us or something, don't just, you know what? That's where we say, I'm praying for you. Yeah, God has good things for you. That usually shuts it down. <laughs> Proverbs 3, 3 and 4. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck with a reminder as a reminder, write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and people, and you will earn a good reputation. These are good things, loyalty and kindness. 
What is your reputation in the area, to, area of loyalty and kindness? You, you have a reputation. You can probably think of it. I wonder what, what is my reputation with those around me when it comes to these things? Is it safe to ask somebody else what they think of your kindness? And that? Sometimes it's kind of hard to go out there and say, hey, can you be honest with me? Do I, am I a kind person to you? Uh, I think I have an appointment. <laughs> no, it's good, though. We, we need to, we need to talk, be able to talk to each other about those things. This isn't about how you do your job, because there's many ways to do a job. If you're digging ditches, there's many ways to dig a ditch. You know, you can dig it with a shovel, you can dig it with a backhoe. As you get older, you go from the shovel, you say, I, I, I used to do the shovel, but I'm doing the backhoe thing now. <laughs> and I get all those things. It's not about how you do your job, but it's about your character while you're doing your job, is what it really boils down to. Worship team, come with this last scripture. 1 John 2.17. And this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Eternal life. We want to please him, don't we? We want to be a God pleaser, not a man pleaser. Now, I do know that that's a song from the 80s. Somebody will tell me who that is, but one of the great bands. Petra, Petra thank you very much. Awesome. And so we, we want to please God. So let's position ourselves so that we can be a blessing to others. And if we leave here today with that idea, loving people, honoring people, the idea of blessing, I tell you, things go, start going really well for us in that, in that regard. Let's position ourselves to do that. Amen. Let's stand as we're going to sing uh, this song, and then in a few moments, we will we'll have some lunch today. Thank you for listening to City Life Church Podcast. 